Hello, I'm Solazar, and welcome to Good Vibrations Radio Tools for Transformation. Now, quantum physics tells us that we are all energy vibrating at different frequencies, and in Good Vibrations Radio, we bring you information that allows you to change the vibrational frequency of your life. We are your source for everyday alchemy, so you can take the lead in your life and turn it into gold. Good Vibrations Radio is made possible through the sponsorship of Magic for Life, which is the promoter-producer of the Rhoda Psychic Fair. Now, the Rhoda Psychic Fair has been a constant in Monterey County for the past 35 years. Our last fair was November in 2019, and thanks to the COVID pandemic, we've had to cancel our events scheduled for this year. But we are scheduled for April 17th, 2021 at the Monterey County Fairgrounds. So I encourage you to sign up for the email list on rotopsychicfair.com and goodvibrationsradio.com so you can be notified about upcoming events. For a variety of reasons, we've been off the air since September 2018, and it's really exciting to be back. Previous shows can be found by visiting the podcast page at goodvibrationsradio.com. The link is on the homepage of the website. Each year, I pull a tarot card for the year. And the Osho Zen Tarot card for 2020 is the Four of Rainbows, the miser. Now, the Four of Rainbows shows a woman who's created a fortress around herself. She's clinging to all the possessions she thinks are her treasures. By holding on to her treasures, they've become faded, tarnished, and ugly. And so has she. This year is about not hiding behind our things, our emotional, physical, spiritual, or intellectual things. This year is about revealing our true gifts, revealing our true self, revealing who we're meant to be. Now, before we talk with our guests today, let me tell you a little bit about me. I'm a speaker, performer, reader, healer, radio host, and author. I've been a part of the the metaphysical community all my life. My undergraduate and graduate degrees are in metaphysics. This show shares a variety of metaphysical subjects offered by those who have explored those areas. Now, a habit I've built up over the years is to start each show with a reading from Day by Day with James Allen. In 1903, James Allen published his essay, As a Man Thinketh, and he chose the title from chapter 23, verse 7 of Psalms, which says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. It was described by Allen as a book that will help you help yourself. See, Alan wanted all of us to know that in our own thought world, we hold the key to every condition, good or bad, that enters into our life. Our present reality is a direct outcome of our past thoughts, intentions, and belief. But our future 
is not predestined by the past. By working patiently and intelligently on our thoughts, intentions, and beliefs, we can remake our life and transition our circumstances. And in Day by Day with James Allen, his essay has been broken into a separate section for each day of the month. And for the 25th day of the month, James Allen shares, believe it's possible. Belief is the basis of all action. And this being so, the belief that dominates our hearts and minds is shown in the life. In The Magic of Thinking Big, David Schwartz says the size of your success is measured by the size of your belief. One of the best known stories about the power of belief is the story of Roger Bannister and the four minute mile. The four minute mile was considered a chimera outside the reach of the human metabolism, a physical impossibility. And after Roger Bannister broke the four minute mile in May 1954, the record only lasted 46 days before it was broken again. The four minute mile has been broken by over 500 Americans since that original date in 1954. The difference was everyone now knew it was possible. Once you believe it can be, it will be. Now, if you think yourself into a situation, then you can think yourself out of one. In his recording of The Strangest Secret, the late, great Earl Nightingale told us, we become what we think about most. And Dr. Wayne Dyer shifted that a little when he said, whatever your mind can conceive and believe, it can achieve. So what do you think about most? Now, to help with my focus and thoughts, I've shared many times that I have a series series of prayers and affirmations that I use each day to help me focus on positive thoughts. I do a morning and evening series of forgiveness prayers. I do a gratitude affirmations. I do ho'oponopono. I do unconditional love affirmations. And I collect a positive thought from the Daily Word produced by the Unity School of Christianity. The daily word for Friday, September 25th, is the peace of the divine fills me. When life is throwing curveballs at us, it's not time to stop swinging. It's time to learn how to hit curveballs. In his book, Three Magic Words, U.S. Anderson takes us on a journey through our divine consciousness, our inner awareness, to let us know that each of us is an immortal self a pure and birthless spirit. He concludes the journey by letting us know that we are at the heart of at the heart of each of us. We are God. Be your divine self. This month, Mars went retrograde, which is Mars on steroids, pushing everything forward. We had our new moon in Virgo last week, which aspected Jupiter, Pluto, and Saturn, giving us constructive new ways of doing things. Tuesday was the autumn equinox. The sun entered Libra, the sign of balance, justice, and objectivity. And this is a time when we can all use more balance, justice, and objectivity. Unfortunately, going forward, there's going to be more frustrations. However, as we work through the frustrations, we will experience breakthroughs in more constructive, service-oriented ways. And then when Mercury enters Scorpio next week, it will act as a release valve on the pressure, like a pressure cooker, letting the steam out. So it's a time that we can become more focused and get past the challenging weeks. 
In this alchemical year, it's time that we get to know where our passion lies and who we truly are and bring that passion forward, which leads us to our guest. In 1978, Ellen Meredith opened up to her inner guidance and training offered by seven groups of inner teachers that Ellen calls her counsels. Now, dialogues with her counsels led her into a rich, experiential curriculum, exploring a wide range of topics, including sensing subtle energies, what it means to embody spirit, healing, and the language of energy. It's a training that continues to this day. Ellen's down-to-earth, yet inspiring work has helped over 10,000 people to tap into their inner guidance, recognize their unique gifts and natures, and learn self-healing and cultivate well-being. In addition to her adventures in the inner realms, Ellen holds a Doctor of Arts in writing. She's worked internationally in advocacy work on behalf of children and families living in poverty, and she served on the certification program faculty of energy medicine pioneer Donna Eden. Ellen is the author of The Language Your Body Speaks, As an intuitive and energy medicine practitioner, Ellen became active, wants us to become active participants in the conversations happening between our body, our mind, and our spirit. Ellen, at this time, all I could do is welcome you to Good Vibrations Radio. Thank you. You mentioned the idea of our natural medicine that we go through versus perhaps our allopathic medicine, which you didn't actually refer to that. But I want to jump to that because one of the things you do discuss in the book is the idea that we've also become entrained or used to just looking at allopathic medicine as the answer to our body. Mm -hmm. And what you're asking us to in the book is to actually become more in touch with the energy of our body and know more of what our body wants Mm-hmm. Be able to talk a little bit about that. Yes, absolutely. So our bodies have basically two major languages. One is chemistry, and that's what conventional medicine or allopathic medicine uses. They they really look at mostly what's happening chemically a little bit. You know, um, they work with physiology and 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 sort of the physics physical stuff in the body, but but it's very chemically based. And the other is energy and. And I believe, and and I think a lot of people believe, that the energy underlies the chemistry, that your subtle energies will tell your chemistry what to do. And this doesn't have to be some deep metaphysical understanding. All you have to do is think about dark chocolate for a moment, and and you'll release a lot of saliva getting ready to eat that dark chocolate. Or, you know, um, you just have to think of, oh, my God, I don't have enough money in the bank to pay my taxes. And you can feel your blood pressure go up. You know, we we really do influence our bodies using thought, using energy, using activity. What What we do can affect our energies. And what I like to say is that there's nothing wrong with, well, there's stuff wrong with it, but allopathic medicine is useful in some situations. If my appendix is about to burst, I might go for some arthroscopic surgery to have it out in that moment if I can't figure out a way to, to back it off the precipice because I don't really want poisons going everywhere in my body. Allopathic is good for that. 
However, we are not just a bag of chemicals. We're not just a bunch of organs having processes. I actually like to think of us as a map of meaning, of energies that are interacting and weaving and forming, and that they're not just neutral energies. They're not like protons and neutrons. They are those, but they're actually a map of meaning. Energy has meaning. So um, what I like to say is, why not work with that whole map? Why just work with the body? When you're sick, you don't just have that illness. You have this whole storyline that the illness is part of. And how many times do you go to a doctor and they say, okay, tell me the whole story. <laughs> tell me the first thing that set you out of balance, that started the ball rolling, that ended up with this cancer we're looking at or whatever. Sorry, that's probably not going to happen. So we need to create those uh, situations where we tell ourselves and our loved ones the stories and we work with that map of meaning and move the energies a little more holistically. Because um, you said earlier that um, the quote, we've become what we think about most. So if in Western medicine, in allopathic medicine, what they think about most is what's wrong and how can I fix it? So if you think most about what's wrong, that's what you become, the wrongness. And so what we really want to do is put our attention to what's needed and how can I cultivate it? What's right and how can I support it and actually um, strengthen it? And I, I do a demonstration in some of my classes that, that blows people's minds because it, it's just such a twist from how we usually think. So usually you think, if you have a weak muscle, you work that muscle, right? Or if you have a weak energy, do an exercise to strengthen that energy. And sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. So I show them how they can take an energy that's already working really well, that's super strong, and do an exercise to support that. And in fact, that strength, that strong energy spills over and strengthens the weaker energy. So, for example... Um, a friend of mine was working with a man who'd had a stroke, so he couldn't do exercises with one side. So she had him do all his exercises with the, with the good side, the, the working side, but looking in a mirror. And within a month, the side that had been affected by the stroke was working well again because he did the exercises on the strong side and all of that work he did, she, he did transferred over to his so-called weaker side and energized it and allowed it to to operate again. And so, I mean, this is a funny little thought, but too often in life, we're so focused on the deficit, what's wrong, what's missing, what's blocking me. And I've had clients who say, for the last 10 years, I've been doing tapping and all kinds of work to clear my blockages. And I'm thinking, whoa, not me. I've been working 10 years to try to figure out how I can, you know, achieve something I really want to achieve. and I think that, you know, and it's not to compare me with them, but to say that that didn't get them well. Sometimes it released some stress. Sometimes it made them feel less bad. But I do believe we need to cultivate um, the positive energy that we want to really bring into our life, into our mind, body, and spirit. We want to bring those strands into the web of meaning that we want to have there, even if they're not very well integrated at first. So they even talk in terms of when we're trying to, for instance, lose weight, 
how very often people will say, well, I have to diet, and diet automatically translates into denial in our mindset. Right. So people start going into this starvation response to the diet right. instead of saying, I need to manage what I eat to uh-huh. eat, to be healthier, to feel uh-huh. healthier. And uh-huh. so we change the frame of that whole conversation internally, and our body right. responds differently. Right. And I would even take it one step further. Um, I would even go beyond the notion of managing what we eat, which still, like, just like we don't like being deprived, we don't particularly like being managed. So, <laughs> so the question is, how can you make every moment when you are eating a celebration of your relationship with the earth? So that every bite becomes a sacrament. Well, it's a little harder to binge on sacrament because if if you take that bite in and you taste it and you truly taste it and you have the experience and you let it into you and you allow it to reach the point where it, it hits the satisfaction button and you do that, most people can't manage more than three, four, five, six bites before they don't really need any more and they're hearing the signaling of their body that says enough. So if we have to manage it and, and I'm not picking on you, but it, I think that's, I, you know, I've used that word too. And we go there in, in our, in our minds that management is still an external authority, an external feedback system, you know, making rules that we're going to follow, even if they're kind, loving rules. And how can we get to um, a connection with that inner feedback system so that it tells us what it really needs and turn off the brain? Um, a little bit and really go into that experience. And I just want to expand even one more. <laughs> I could have a PhD in weight loss because, you know, I'm one of those women who's always had to, you know, deal with the fact that I'm roly-poly. And look, I'm still here. So <laughs> I wasn't very successful at that. Um, well, I guess I was very, very successful at being roly-poly. But um, what I wanted, wanted to say, I almost lost my thought. Give me a second. Um, Oh, that too often we think of of our weight as being a reflection of what we eat. What if you expand it to say your weight is a reflection of how well you're nourished in every dimension, on every level? I mean, have you ever had the experience where you're reading a really good book and you forget to eat lunch because, oh, my God, I'm so loving this book. I don't want to get up and go eat. I mean, when we are nourished, the body gives you that feedback. I don't need anything right now. I'm, I'm being given the energy through a different pathway. Yes, we take in energy through our food. Of course we do. But we take in energy through our interactions with other people. We take in energy through what our imagination is doing to illuminate our, our heart and mind and spirit. We take in nourishment from the earth itself. Like if you go out and walk barefoot in the grass, this is better in the summer than the winter, and you do that before you eat, you may find you're not as hungry when you sit down to eat. Also, if you satisfy your hunger in as many ways as you can. So look at something beautiful. Make your food look like artwork. You know, have beautiful colors there and appreciate all of that so that every every meal becomes an experience of Real um, celebration and, and sacrament with meaning. You won't need the amount of food that you used to need. 
And it's great to have lots of living foods because they have life force energy in them. You know, you'll start to respond more to things that have the life force energy in them than things where the energetics are a little um, blocked through all the chemical chemicals that are in there and stuff. They don't have the same resonance. Vitamin C in an orange is a different health experience than vitamin C in a pill. Because all the cofactors, the life force energy of that vitamin C is a whole different experience when you get it from its actual source. We've used the term energy multiple times in our discussion. Would you share with the listeners what you mean by energy and how you refer to energy in the book? Good question, because here I go on and on, and, you know, I haven't really defined it. Okay, so in, in scientific terms, people often think in scientific terms of energy about the protons and the neutrons and all of that. Um, and I don't, you know, that's not wrong. We're made of energy. The body is actually made of energy. It's fueled by energy, and it um, gets organized by energy. That's all. That's all true. However, we have everyday ways of talking about energy. I don't have the energy to go to the party tonight. Everybody knows what I mean, and they're not talking about, well, the number of neutrons or protons. You know, that's not what they're talking about. They know what I mean. Um, that, um, that experience really left me drained. That's talking about your energy. That's not talking about the fact that you, you have water in your body and the water all drained out. It's talking about an energetic juice. So I sort of think of energy as the juice that feeds us, that animates us, that, that fuels what we want to do, that, um, that, and it does make us up. The, you know, if I were to describe you as a bunch of colors, you know, if I were to say, well, I'm going to use my spidey senses and look at you, what are the colors I'm seeing? You know, you'd be a beautiful rainbow of all these cool colors and movements and patterns. And, and so that is your energy and it has meaning. It's a different pattern from everybody else on the planet. It's as unique, Donna Eden says it's as unique as a thumbprint. For me, I hear energies. The symphony of who and what you are is unique. It's a wonderful, interesting blend of sounds and movements and rhythms and it's different from other people's. So, um, so when I talk about energy, it's that unique soul juice, that unique self-juice that makes you up, that fuels you, that organizes you, that 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 is what makes you up. And if that's too big a definition, people can whittle, whittle it down to what you'd say every day about energy. And um, And we all want it. We want more energy or better energy. Well, we certainly always want more energy. That's pretty much what you hear. It's a, the common complaint. Right. But it seems to me, in the language the body speaks, you take us on a series of journeys. You give us a series of exercises and different ways for us to start connecting into the language of our bodies. Because I'm sure to some people that sounds a little esoteric versus it's really a, a, a physiological response to what's already there. Right. And last time we spoke, you shared a wonderful story about Mother Teresa, which also led into the Mother Teresa touch exercise. And I was going to ask if you'd be willing to share that story and that exercise with us so that we could go through that process. Absolutely. Before I do, and I'll do it in a minute, um, I just wanted to say that, yes, the language your body speaks is not some esoteric thing. Um, It would be stupid to be born 
with an inbuilt language and no instrument to perceive it, right? It would be so weird to have, you know, no way to figure out what's going on inside us. So the way we have to figure on what, out what's going on inside us is our senses. We can see energy, we can hear it, we can feel it, we can smell it, we can taste it, we can know it directly. I don't know what I left out, um, but all of the senses basically. And there's some extra, extra senses, um, touch, yeah. And, and there's some extra senses such as that sense we have, like when we walk through a crowd and we don't bump into anyone, that radar, that's one of our senses for, for perceiving energy. And, you know, so, do I see swirling masses? I don't tend to very often. Occasionally I do. But with your inner, we have our outer eyes and our inner eyes. So, you know, if I say shut your eyes and picture your best friend, most of us can do that more or less. Some have a detailed picture and some they're actually feeling the essence of the friend. That's what I mean by the inner part of the senses. So that's built into us. So the language your body speaks, will it'll talk to you through sensations. You know, through see, you know, getting an image in your head suddenly or hearing a song in your head or hearing a rhythm or having your attention drawn to something that sort of almost lights up for you. And it's like, whoa, that's symbolic, isn't it? Um, you know, it, it's right there in front of us. And we do get constant messaging that we don't pay attention to. And, and so when I talk in the book about how to relearn this language, I believe it's our mother tongue. I think we all knew it as infants and we need to uh, just let ourselves um, turn off the conscious brain, um, the, the socialized brain a little bit, or train the socialized brain, I guess, to recognize that there is this constant biofeedback going on, and we can listen into it, and we can participate. If my shoulder hurts a little, it's no big deal to just stretch my arms out and release the tension. It is a big deal if I'm at my computer for six hours, ignoring it, ignoring it, ignoring it, at the, and then the end I get up and I can't move. Then it's a big deal. But in the moment, the first time it becomes the energy starts to get constricted, you feel you get a sensation of constriction. And if you notice constriction, you just take a deep breath and release it or you pat it or you, you know, rub it with some blue or yellow or whatever color you think it wants in there and you can shift it. So there's two parts to that responding, using energy and responding moment by moment. Okay. So now I can tell you about Mother Teresa, but I wanted to. <laughs> To to jump on what is this language of energy so people don't think it's this weirdo thing out there. It's just using all of the tools we have, all of the senses, not just our logical brain to think a solution. We can also bring in, you know, music and dance and movement and gesture and all of the stuff that we use to express ourselves to the world. We can also use it to communicate with our back within our own being. Okay, mind to body or body to body, body to spirit, etc. Okay, so years ago I saw Mother Teresa, and this was in a video, of course. I'd like to have it have to have been in person. I saw Mother Teresa, who was in working in the slums of Calcutta, and she was visiting a health center, and they showed her she was walking through the health center, and there was a man there who was in extreme pain. He was like a pretzel. His muscles were spasmed every which way. He was twisted. He almost didn't look human. He was in so much, and clearly in screaming pain. Well, he was moaning, but it was strong. And she stood and looked at him for a moment. And then she stepped up, and she started stroking him. And 
it wasn't like they're there. You're going to feel better. Don't worry, little guy. She was stroking them like with a rowing team. The coxswain of a rowing team would call the strokes. It was stroke, 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 stroke. And so as she did this, which was kind of an astounding thing, as she did this, he started to unfurl. He started to relax. He started to release and unfold and turn back from a twisted mass into a human. And he was clearly getting happier and happier, and the pain was clearly releasing. And at the end, he was lying there beaming at her, and she was just kind of like, good. She was done. He nodded. She nodded. And he just, she walked off, you know, to the next person. And you know how some stories really stick in your head? You know, at least for me, they do. I'll think about them for years afterwards. Well, that was one that stuck in my head because I thought, what did she do? What happened there? And I could tell, I mean, what she did was something I could have done if I thought of it. I mean, it wasn't, she didn't have, you know, I didn't see any kind of beams coming out of her hands, anything special. So it wasn't some special Mother Teresa magic, although I'm sure she's got really healing energy in her because of all of her work with prayer. Um, what it was, was that she produced what his body needed in that moment. She gave it a rhythm to organize itself and touch to help it release. And doing those two things caused a change for him. That's the essence of what I call energy dialogue or the energy medicine that I'm teaching is that in a moment we can do something using the language of energy and it makes a change. And there were four aspects to that. First, she believed she could make a difference. She believed that if she tried something, it might work. How often do we not try something because we don't think we could do anything to make a difference? So we don't even try it. Okay. The second thing is that she was using touch which is energy medicine rather than um, than chemistry. So she didn't step in and give him, him an injection or a pill. She was saying, what do I have in my toolkit that could be helpful here? And she came up with touch and rhythm. The third thing was um, that she was using her inner guidance system. And we all have an inner guidance system. And it, hers was pretty well developed because she'd spent years in prayer and meditation. But we all have it. And she could just tune in and say, well, what would work here? And get an inkling of something to try that turned out to be very effective. And then the fourth, and sometimes we just have to stop and say, well, is there something that might work right now? (laughs) And often we don't. It's like, do I have any pills? Do I have anything in the cabinet that will work? We ask that, but we don't say, do I have anything in this toolkit that will work? And then the fourth thing was that she was willing to try it. And then observe to see if she got results. She was willing for it to go wrong, to make them, you know, to not work. And, you know, she might have been a little embarrassed if she stroked him for five minutes and nothing happened. But it was, she was willing to do that, to try and see if she could make a difference. And too often we won't try something unless it's been scientifically validated, unless it's, you know, we're sure it's going to work. So we never start. So those were the four things. And, um, so based on that, I, I came up with an exercise called the Mother Teresa Touch. And I, should I teach it right now? Should I show it? Okay. Yes, please. So um, basically, let me just uh, get up. I may have to shift this camera a little bit. 
Yeah, I think you can see me here. Um, okay, so basically what you're going to do is the same thing Mother Teresa did. You're going to be stroking your own body, and you're going to be touching, if you can. If you have a, if you have poison ivy everywhere, don't do it on the skin because you'll just spread it. But if you're, if you're okay with it physiologically to do it on the body, do it. Otherwise, do it off the body. But if you can do it on the body, don't do it off the body because your body will get really annoyed that it never gets the memo directly. You know, if we always just sit and think and visualize the changes and we don't bring our body into the discussion with physicality, often it starts to backfire. It'll actually start to fight us. Like, oh, you just want the thoughts always dominate. Okay? So what you're going to do is you're going to, we're going to use that slow rhythm of stroke, 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 stroke. And you're going to start at your head and start at the midline. We're going to go both directions, and we'll do this all over the body, starting at the head. So stroke, stroke, stroke. And I'm going from the top of my head back behind my ears, stroke. And then you can do your face, maybe even heart, stroke, 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 stroke. The face loves hearts. And you can go to the back of your neck to the front, stroke. Stroke, 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 and down the front of the body on either side from shoulder to hip, stroke, 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 and cross, horizontal across, so it, up at the, uh, the um, collarbone, stroke, stroke, stroke on your chest, stroke, and then at your belly, stroke, sideways, stroke. Stroke, stroke, and now on your gut, stroke, 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 stroke. And if you can reach, go around to the back from the, and go over your butt forward, stroke, 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 stroke. And now down your legs, down the front of your legs, stroke, 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 stroke. And down the back of your legs, stroke, 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 stroke. And then if you have a towel, you can take a towel, rub it on your heart. I don't have one right here. And then pull it across your back to get your back. But otherwise, if you could reach your back, do a stroking across your back. I can reach my middle back. So stroke, 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 stroke. And then at the end, I like to bring my hands to my heart and just place them over my heart and take a deep breath and thank my hands for helping me with all that tension or whatever that got moved. Now, you did it. How did that feel for you? What did you notice when you were doing it? I find that it's very centering, very balancing. I feel very very centered. I felt some stress release. It's been a very stressful morning for me and I felt it coming off me and coming out and I feel much more balanced and centered at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes what we call stress is actually a lot of messages all at once (laughs) from the body of things that are getting congested or things that are getting tight or things that where the flow isn't happening or things where we're too far in the future or in the past and we're not balanced between our future and our past 
or balance between earth and heaven. So, so it's sometimes great to do something like that, which will relieve lots of different kinds of stress. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also maybe helps us, uh, you know, to unpack what's in that stress. What are some of the different messages from the, from the self to the self that we call stress? So I love stress because when I've got it, it tells me that there's a whole glom of things that I can unpack to understand about what my web of meaning is needing right now to have a better flow and a better um, circulation and better organization, which is what that exercise does for you in a very physiological way. Yeah. Yeah, It's a very simple exercise that anybody can do anytime, any place. They can do obviously do variations of it. What you demonstrated, right. of course, is the complete thing, but there may be yes. times we don't have the opportunity to do it completely. Right. Can I give you a quick a quick variation for it's great when you're in public and you're like freaking out or in overwhelm That's, and, and oh, you're please. you're starting to tense up. Okay. So you just do it with your hands. Do each finger. So, you know, you take your thumb and you're just sitting there and just very slowly. Make me a slow rhythm. And maybe you tap the rhythm with your foot. If nobody's noticing, you can just quietly tap your foot with the rhythm and then do your first finger. Tap, 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 tap. And, you know, just do each finger, do the palms, do the wrists, do the back of the hands. And, you know, you can do one or both. That will also communicate through the body that, we have this rapid communication system in the body called the fascia. The fascia is a crystalline structure, but it's basically the, the layer at, at the deepest layer of the skin. It kind of covers all the organs and bones and stuff. And it, it communicates faster than almost anything else, at least according to scientists. I think uh, the aura actually communicates quicker. But they say that the, the fascia inside the body is the quickest communication. So when you're using that level of massage, and it can be slow enough that nobody can tell. You know, it can be a very slow, it, instead of the boat racing, it could be the boat having a lazy Sunday meander, mm-hmm. which is still a lovely thing to do, maybe even nicer than getting the boat to the front of the race. Um, so it will communicate through the whole body the message of organization through the rhythm and uh, relaxation through the stroking. So that's just a variation you can use. When I get, when I'm at the grocery store, I can even just do it on, on my thumb, you know, to just bring myself back. Very good. Yeah. Actually, when, uh, when, uh, my my wife and I would do our palmistry readings. We also had a reflexology card that we would give out for massaging the fingers with uh-huh. a variety of different things, which I don't have in front of me right now. So I almost wish I didn't bring it up because I can't. Well, except, <laughs> except the point that's that's really good about what you brought up is that in other, other um, traditions and other cultures, they have mapped all kinds of energy access points all over the body. So when you're doing this simple, stupid Mother Teresa touch thing, it's not stupid, it's simple. Simple. You are actually influencing Mm -hmm. organs and things through these reflexology points Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. without having to study reflexology for 25 years. Now, you can study reflexology, but it's really nice to know that you can access uh, these systems without having to know them intimately and influence them in a positive way. And, and once before you had mentioned, of course, in the book, The Language Your Body Speaks, 
that you did make reference to other energy systems. You make a reference to chakras. You make a reference to other things. You also make a reference to meridians. And, of course, reflexology is about activating meridians in the body to communicate with each other. So yeah. I'm just passing. We don't have to certainly spend time at that. But one of the things we had discussed previously was the idea that how do we know the specific language that our body speaks? What are we, what are we intuitively or intrinsically listening for when we start trying to communicate with our body? Response. So how did you feel afterwards? I mean, you said, I feel more open. I feel more relaxed. I feel this and that. And you can even use a metaphor before. Like, you know, I said that guy with Mother Teresa looked like a pretzel. And mm-hmm. afterwards, he didn't look like a pretzel. He looked, or, you know, he looked like something else. I have to think about what it was. But so, um, to really understand that we are getting, we are getting constant uh, messaging and it's not about interpreting it. It's not about decoding, just decoding what the body's trying to say. It's about getting the message and responding appropriately in a way that the body itself can understand. It's more about encoding wellness than it is about decoding illness. It's about saying, in this moment, what would be good? For example, I had a raging headache. It wasn't a migraine. It was what I call a liver headache. It was kind of had eaten something that had disagreed with me, and I had this raging headache. And I thought, what in this moment? My head feels like it's on fire. And I thought, well, I could put my head under water and put the fire out. And something just said, well, try putting the cold water on your feet to see if it pulls all that heat down. So I did. I stepped in a basin of really cold water, and all of the heat ran out of my head down to my feet, and the headache went away in about two minutes. Mm. It was just because I asked the question of what could I do in this moment to respond to what is. And too often we take it from what is to the idea of what is, and then we say, what do I know to do about this? So my head hurts like crazy. It feels like it's on fire. That's what is. I say, oh, I've got a liver headache. Then I say, what do I know how to do about liver headaches? And then I try to do that. Meanwhile, I'm not responding to the real communication, Was which was, my head feels like on fire. What do I have to put out fires here? What in this moment might help? I think that goes back to something you said earlier also, is that actually we already know how to speak to our body. It's intrinsic. It's natural with us. Yeah. But what we're not doing is we're not listening to our body, which is a right. little bit different. And so the exercises you take us through in the language your body speaks is one way of giving us practice to learn to listen to our body, to actually listen. Right, and right. But I, I really go into both listening better, and I really have a lot of exploration of how do you, how do you listen and how do you hear um, energy. But I also go into expanding your vocabulary because there was this psychologist. I don't know if you took Psych 101 back in the day. I did in college, and they did that. They showed this study that a psychologist wanted to know: Do teenage boys have feelings? And they <laughs> and they just don't have feelings, or they have feelings but they don't have language to talk about them, right? <laughs> and it was like you know you laugh and say, of course. But she was curious, do they just not have the feelings or they just don't have vocabulary to talk about their feelings? So she gave them a list of 50 vocabulary words to talk about feelings. And they went through the list. And afterwards, it turns out that those guys 
had a lot of feelings and they had a lot to say about those feelings because they had vocabulary. Mm. And I think that that's, I mean, that was another story that stuck with me. Unfortunately, I didn't keep this, the, uh, the citation, so I don't yeah. know who it was. But if what we're lacking as teenage boys is vocabulary, then why not build up our vocabulary of ways that we can communicate with our energies? Get past just meditation, visualization, and yoga, which are all lovely ways to talk, but say, what else can I do that affects my energy? For example, if every time you do the dishes and clean the pots and pans and really put some elbow grease into it, you find afterwards that your worry, your love, your pile of worries got a lot smaller, that you're not as worried anymore. That adds to the vocabulary of what you can do to respond to what you might call worry. Mm -hmm. And also, if you go into the worry, this is the listening side of it. It's like what I said with stress. Maybe it's not worry at all. Maybe it's fear plus telling yourself a negative story plus not breathing properly plus not having had any water to drink for a couple hours plus being mad at your friend and not acknowledging it. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and then it, it comes together. And it's like, oh, I'm so worried about X. And it's like, no, probably you're not worried about X. You know, that, that may or may not be true. So often emotions are an indication of an energetic imbalance. I don't believe, and I don't, a lot of people say, you know, your illness is caused by blocked emotion or you, um, you know, that you, if you clear your emotion, you can clear your illness. I think emotion is a symptom of illness. I think it's a symptom of energy imbalance. So that when you have like an emotion, there's a stuck story. There's a stuck, what I call a template in there that's causing you not only to have this emotional state, Mm. but also some, a physical state. Lots of, it's causing lots of different things. So if you can clear that energy, the emotion releases. And again, we know that experience where we're sitting home feeling like crap and the phone rings and it's your best friend. And within about five minutes, you don't feel like crap anymore. Okay. Was it an emotion or was it an energy state that got shifted by a new activity that moved your energies? And I think that's a, a very good thought for everybody to consider because clearly it's an energy state. It's very much an energy state that shifts us. We can use our emotions to damp ourselves down, but that energy state shift will happen automatically, and we can see that that that's really the real cause. But right. I wanted one of the things you talk about in the book also is the three selves. Can uh-huh. you share the three selves with the listeners and how that impacts us and what Certainly. we should consider about that? Certainly. Yes, I like to see us as a spectrum, and so we're not really three distinct selves. We're a spectrum that goes from very abstract to very physical, or very physical to very abstract, right? And in everyday language, we call it body, mind, and spirit, or spirit, mind, and body, right? So, but I like, I have different names for them. I call your body self your earth elemental self. And the earth elemental self is a creature, like a dog or cat. It's got all kinds of interesting instincts. It actually has some amazing built-in um, psychic powers, the ability to feel whatever's going on all over the planet. You know, it's, it's like when you see animals who know that an earthquake is coming, they're using that particular creature, creature spidey sense. 
as my niece calls it. Um, and so, you know, the, the earth elemental self is, is the body part of us. The, um, the mind, I don't use the mind because again, in our culture, the mind, there's a whole science of the mind. I call it your talking self. It's the self that makes dramas. It's the self that creates identity. It's the part of you that travels in imagination. The, the earth elemental self is centered in the now and it's centered in your physical being. And it has to be respected as a creature or it will act up. But it's also trying to express and um, embody the dramas of your talking self. And back 100, 200 years ago, talking self didn't have a million dramas. You know, talking self was a farmer, and today I'm going to go out and I'm going to work the fields, and then I'm going to come home, and maybe we're going to go to a dance tonight, or, you know, we're going to sit around and read a book together, or, you know, whatever. It was, it was, there were way fewer storylines, and the bodies had time to assimilate and work with that. Nowadays, where we have constant storylines, we have the news feed on our, on our, um, social media. We have all the, all the storylines of the news from all over the world. We have, you know, all the dramas we watch on TV at night and it might be boom, 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 four different shows, four different storylines. It really is hard on the body. We run a lot of stress hormones we wouldn't normally run because somebody's Titanic is about to sink even though we are not physically on the Titanic. We're designed to do that, but we've evolved to a place where our tendency to, to live in the realm of the mind overtakes most of our bodies. Most of us, our bodies can't keep up with the mind, what the mind's doing, and we have stress-related illnesses, stress hormone-related illnesses, stress-related illnesses. We don't breathe properly. You know, we don't breathe enough. We're always going, oh, what's going on? You know, we're always reacting physiologically to something that isn't present for the for the earth elemental and then the third self is the wiser self and that's the soul or the um the spirit or you know you can call it many different things i i refer to it as the wiser self it's the part of us that is um more collective in nature that's part of the divine that has access to guidance from from divine sources if you want to call it that if you believe in that or at least from the all that is and so those three have to work as a committee, body, mind, and spirit. And body and mind, I mean, spirit and mind are dependent on the body being an instrument that can actually function. So if you think of your body like the instrument and your mind as the musician and the wiser self as, as the music, you can see that, you know, if you're trying to play the music of your soul, and the elegance of the composition you've made as a as a as an instrumentalist on a kazoo, you're not going to get very far. So a lot of us treat our bodies like kazoos. You know, we toss them in the drawer, or you know, we don't necessarily um, work with the instrument being the fine instrument it is. And I think that the more we can work with the instrument, and well, all parts. I mean, some people are really good at the instrument part, but they don't develop the mind or spirit portion of the entertainment. And it is a committee of three, and sometimes they have to take turns. The spirit and mind are dependent on the body for the embodiment of the experience. Well, and in this time of COVID, where it seems like people should have more time, it seems as if many people complain they have less time because uh -huh. they're so much more engaged in other things. What would you recommend as the best way for people to approach starting out getting into this dialogue with their body, mind, and spirit 
and becoming very coherent in what their body's saying to them. Okay. Um, I think that every time we show up for ourselves physically, we do that pretty naturally. So I have an exercise that I call healing hands, and I'm just going to teach it really quickly because it's it's a good place to start. And I recommend in the book, if, if you read this whole book and you don't know where to start, go to this exercise. So to do healing hands, you rub your hands together, and then you take one of your hands, it doesn't matter which one, and you put it somewhere on your body it wants to go. And don't think it, just let it go where it wants to go because your hands speak fluent energy. And then you take your other hand and you say, where do you want to go? And you let it go where it wants to go. And you feel yourself being touched by your hands and you feel your body through your hands. So it's both the touching and being touched. It's such a two-way communication device. And we sometimes forget that, that our hands are two-way communication devices, both taking in and putting out. And you just let yourself hold that connection. And, of course, I'm talking, but when we get off the call, you can practice this without me talking. So you just tune into what you're, sen- what you're feeling, what you're sensing. And then when you're ready, if one of the hands wants to move to another place, you can move it. If it wants to stay put, you can leave it. And then you ask the other hand, do you want to stay or do you want to move? And mine wants to move. And then you hold that new configuration. And see what that feels like. And what are the sensations that arise in you when you're doing this? And you continue this pattern, continuing, you know, holding for a while. And then when it feels like you're ready to move, ask your hand where it wants to move. Move one, move the other if it wants to. Until you feel like you've pretty much completed some kind of process or cycle. Or else you run out of time and you have to stop. Okay, and I'm just going to stop it because we are, you know, on the radio or whatever. So um, maybe we don't want to go on and on with it now. But what did were you able to pick up even despite my talking and everything as you did that? Well, I find that every time I do one of these exercises with you, what it does is starts creating connections between the different parts of my body. In my case, my right hand went to my heart. My left hand went to my throat. And I felt very much the connection of like speaking my truth, speaking from my heart, being more open, that I was feeling a little closed and it was telling me to open up. And I was feeling that as uh-huh. I was just, as I was just letting it be going through that process of it. Uh, my hands didn't want to move. They kind of stayed in the same spot till I removed them. Right. They moved away, but it, it felt very much like a connection. So what I'm experiencing through, through these processes with you, is exactly what you're asking us to, I believe, experience from going through the book and the exercises. I'm feeling the connection to my body. I'm listening. Whereas uh-huh. otherwise, I'm not listening. I'm right. either in my head or I'm in my external world. Right. If you're just administering an energy treatment, it's like you could go and work on your throat chakra and try to alter it. But in the process of tuning into it, it was telling you what it needed. It was telling you... Giving you good information, good guidance, and maybe that's something you can take into your whole day of, oh, okay, my my throat, when I was holding it this morning, said this. Or you can at any moment just touch in and say, you still want the same thing or do you need something different now? You know, and because oh. it might change its mind or just need a series of things that can guide you into what's really needed. And what's really trippy is when you start dialoguing with your body, 
you'll find, gosh, my right ear can tell me something about my left foot. That's so weird. But it will come to you. And, you know, you think, I don't know why I had this thought. But almost mm-hmm. always those little thoughts that come up while we're in this dialogue are part of the dialogue. And you can play with them. And I give lots and lots of examples in the book. And, um, you know, and I've got some YouTube videos where people can experience some more formalized exercises. Now, the exercises are all, you know, those are something you do. But as you're doing it, if you just listen in, like we did with that, I asked you afterwards, what, what did you experience? Just ask yourself every time you do something, what did you experience? What, is, what are you feeling now? Like before you do the dishes, say, how am I feeling? Do the dishes. Afterwards, say, well, what did I just experience? It's amazing. I mean, we all have to do our dishes. We all have to, you know, go to the grocery store occasionally. We all have to do these things. But if we inhabit our experience and use it as an opportunity to hang out with a really cool dog, cat, or creature self, you know, whatever this is, then first of all, life becomes more fun. And second of all, Every, we have more time because when we're in the present, time opens up. So when we come to the earth elemental self and we really inhabit it regularly, it's not that we don't have lofty thoughts. Actually, we get more brilliant thoughts coming in. It's like it works in the background. But the body, because it's in the background, the body doesn't have all the chemistry that knock it out of balance when the thinking is in the foreground. So, you know, y'all, I'm sure a lot of your people know this, like when you're writing and you just, you're writing and writing, you're stuck and you can't think of anything. If you go away from your desk for an hour, you do something else while you're, you know, mowing the lawn, that's when that missing idea will come to you that, that you couldn't get by pushing. And that's all I'm suggesting is to get into a much better rhythm between body, mind, and spirit. So they all have space and time in your awareness and you can live and work more in a more integrated way so that all three of them make a better contribution to your web of meaning. Well, thank you so much, Ellen. We, we want to remind everyone we're speaking with Ellen Meredith, the author of The Language Your Body Speaks. And Ellen, are there any last thoughts you'd like to share with the listeners or ideas to leave them with? I guess the only idea I want to maybe repeat is that Energy is our mother tongue. We all knew it at one point. So this isn't like learning a foreign language. How do you say this? How do you say that? I don't know, because your body's unique. So this is about really getting to know your instrument. It's about, it's about finding more words to express emotions so you're not stuck, not, you know, feeling like I don't have, I don't have the vocabulary to have this dialogue. It's, it's, it is about just letting it evolve, try it on and, and see what works for you. Well, thank you so much, Ellen. You can find out more about Ellen at her website, ellenmeredith.com. That's E-L-L-E-N, M as in Mike, E-R-E-D-I-T-H.com. And you can purchase The Language Your Body Speaks at Amazon.com. Ellen, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, it was a pleasure. Always a pleasure. The year 2020 reminds us what Oscar Wilde said, Be yourself. Everyone else is already taken. As we prepare to close out September and head into the last few months of 2020, remember, believe it's possible. Belief is the basis of all action, and this being so, the belief that dominates the hearts or mind is shown in the life. The peace of the divine fills me.
As we close, I want to once again share the anonymous poem from Empower Astrology. In the midst of hate, I found there was within me an invincible love. In the midst of tears, I found there was within me an invincible smile. In the midst of chaos, I found there was within me an invincible calm. I realized through it all that in the midst of winter, I found there was within me an invincible summer. No matter how hard the world pushes against you within you, there's something stronger, something better pushing right back. Whatever you give, do so from your heart. Choose to express from love in all your encounters. I live and practice loving kindness in all situations. Accept yourself fully. I accept and love myself unconditionally. Open yourself fully to love. I surrender all to love. You are not the victim. You have a choice. Thank you for listening to Good Vibrations Radio. We'll talk again Friday, October 9th, 6 to 7 p.m., when I'll speak with Christine Arillo, author of Overwhelmed and Over It. Until then, remember to turn the lead in your life into gold. Thank you for listening. Many blessings. Namaste. Vibrations are happening with her. Gotta keep those locked Vibrations are happening with her. Gotta keep those locked Vibrations. Ah. Good.